Welcome to episode 59 of Probably Polly, the podcast where we question everything, even our name. As always, I am your host, Michael Haig. And I'm your co-host, Mandy Conant. I had a weird moment the other day where I went and like checked the, the meta podcast statistics on the website, and I realized that this year we're on track to finish the year with probably just the same or slightly more total listens than we had last year, which is generally actually really bad for like a podcast, because normally this kind of stuff has geometric growth. But not for 2020. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got really depressed for a hot minute before I remember what year it was. Right. Because I was like, well, first we did 2,000, then we did 16,000, and then we did 16,000 again. That's not good. Yes, You're supposed to grow. And then I was like, wait, actually... Yeah, podcasts have been dropping like flies. So yeah. maintaining an even distribution for a year with all distance work, yes. no commutes, the pandemic depression, and in a niche where no one can really practice right now. Right. So all of you people are sitting at home, not being able to date, going, well, I guess I'll still work on getting better at dating. But still learning. Yes. Pat yourself on the back for spending an entire year listening to ethics lessons you can't apply yet. Good for you. <laughs> I'm proud of you. But you're going to be amazing when you can. It's going to be great. Just maintaining is a win right now. So that's awesome. Go us. Yay. That said, if you do happen to want to share our podcast with more people, we would also still appreciate that. <laughs> because winning relative to the system is great, but we still need to actually survive. And yeah. to do that, we still need to grow. So We won't hate it. So please share, please help. like, comment. <laughs> yeah, all of those things are very helpful. Oh, and there was a really good set of comments on the last episode, actually. the Facebook had an actual dialogue discourse. I was very excited. We have had, yeah. I saw that. The questions were incredibly thoughtful and even had repeat also thoughtful, deep engagement on the philosophical issues for the question, not just sort of surface level, Yeah. but really dug in the implications of what we were saying. I mean, I, I really think that the last episode really tickled people's brains because we, I think that we had more interaction on that episode than we've ever had. You know, we had uh, a couple different people thank us, you know, for that particular episode. Join the discussion on Facebook because we do, we respond to every single comment we respond to every single message we respond to every single email that we've ever gotten <laughs> it's a lot so. so we love you we love our listeners we do it's important that's why we do the work so we've also been getting some amazing different moments of, at least for me there's been a lot of big moments for positive feedback from listeners that have really been motivating to me which is why i'm trying to do all these new projects this time so a couple of big things so obviously we said last time we have the probably poly particulars our first video up we're working on our second video right now something i forgot to say last time that show is 100 percent paid for by your donations so the editing hours the shooting hours all of that we're actually paying ourselves and we're paying ourselves exclusively from your donations. So the speed at which we make those is going to be based a lot on how much we get in donations. So if you like the little episodes and you want more, go ahead and donate. Also, if you want any project, honestly, if you donate and, and when you donate, it tells you, you can put notes in there. Tell us what project you want. I'll put your donation towards that project. <laughs> Tell us what you want us to spend the money on. <laughs> I will. If you're like, I want an infographic for something I heard about. I want a t-shirt. Just tell me and put a donation in and we'll break that into hours and we'll get as much done on that as we can with the money you sent us. Yeah. So thank you so much for those people that have donated. You are the reason we now have a video subset that we're working on. We have right now enough donations for the next two episodes. So if you want to keep seeing more episodes after that, please send us more. You know, if you've been thinking about donating, 
donating for a long time and have not, but you are in a place where you can, because also a lot of you are not in a place where you can donate thanks to COVID and unemployment and all that, and in which case, don't donate, be safe, take care of your needs and your family. But if you are in a good place to do that and you've been thinking about doing it and you always forget, now is a great time because we have the time to use that to actually get projects done, so. And I do believe we're gonna have t-shirts coming out soon. We are. I'm working on it. Sweet. That's news to me. I'm in like fundraiser mode right now. I'm excited. I'm into it. So we're going to have t-shirts coming out pretty soon. Awesome. So we got a lot of new projects. Yeah. Again, we'll put all the links in the description, but like, comment, subscribe on all of our different methods and connect with us more. And you really shape the podcast when you connect with us. About 70% of these episodes are listener-inspired episodes. Yeah. So you're listening all the time, but you're choosing not to write and connect with us, then you're getting some great information, I hope but you're missing out on the opportunity to shape the conversation to meet your specific needs. So we hope that you will reach out and connect with us. Please, you have an hour free on the Saturday that we do the chat room that we do uh, once a month, then please come yeah. join us on that. We get a lot of great dialogue from that and a lot of ideas for shows. We've had multiple people from other countries join us. So that was really, really awesome. So the next chat, if you're looking to join that, is going to be September 26th. If it matters to people, this is my birthday month. So you can wish me happy birthday on the chat if you like. What date is your birthday, rather? My birthday is the 14th. That is not the date of the chat. My birthday is the 14th. I will be 37. We do in the same bet time, same bet channel? Same time. So 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We say to seven, but it never ends at seven. Unless we forget to advertise it and it's just like two of us. That's happened once. I have yet twice. to be on one that's ended at seven. Yeah, because Mandy doesn't come to the one she doesn't advertise. What happens is if Mandy isn't planning <laughs> on coming, she forgets it exists. And I don't advertise. So I show up and I'm like, let's go. And there's one person that figured out it was on the recording. Like yeah. they checked it and like researched and figured they out really wanted to go was. yeah and it's always hilarious because it's always a super introvert that was like my plan was to be in the background and i'm like well it's just you and me you have two hours to talk to me you got any questions <laughs> you get all my attention yeah that is <laughs> that is hurtful truth but yes it is truth nonetheless <laughs> But we haven't done that in a while. I've been I've been trying to be really good about reminding Mandy to promote the I podcast for us. I just put it so. on my calendar, too, so I won't miss it. All right. So I think this is a really cool episode. I think we've actually been hitting some major topics the last couple of episodes. Like, I, you know, we always do stuff that I think is important, but sometimes we're doing really niche philosophy stuff that I think we need as groundwork to do other issues. And sometimes we're doing sort of really surface stuff. And consent is one of those great ones that's so in the middle of those. Mm-hmm. Really deep and philosophically rich, but it's all so basic so important to polyamory yeah and just important to everyday life for everyone yeah and i think this was the same kind of topic so today's topic is boundaries needs and wants and what is the difference Mm -hmm. and this is a listener question it is also on the list of topics that I had to do anyway, but recently a listener asked for it. Since it was in the list, I said, well, we'll just do it right now. Do you have a specific listener question that you'd like to read? Or was it just a, hey, Michael, you should do this? One part they wanted us to focus on, and it is what I would like to focus on, is how you differentiate between when something is just a want and when it's a boundary or a need. Mm. That that's something that they were trying to figure out in 
their interactions? I think we all do. Yeah, that's a big question. We all have to analyze that on like a regular basis because I know I have I have trouble with it from, from both sides. You know, deciding what's wants and needs and boundaries for me and then being respectful of my partner's wants and needs and boundaries and, and deciphering which ones they are, whether whether it's a want or a need and boundary. And I mean, I'm going to sort of rotate that a little bit, which is kind of what I do. So I apologize if this means I didn't actually answer your question. Although usually people write me and go, you did. It was a great way to do it. But sometimes they go, you missed it completely. So if I missed it completely, let me know. But I think that the, the, the actual question there is, how do you navigate boundaries and needs ethically from both sides. So how do you apply them without being controlling? And how do you respect them without being controlled? Because when people say what's a want as opposed to a boundary and need, what they're really trying to get at is those times it looks like someone doesn't really need the thing they're asking for, right. but are just trying to control you with a thing that they just sort of want. And I don't think that that distinction is as important as it sounds like it is, which we'll, we'll circle back to in a minute. I think that the real distinction is the one that I just made, which is the real question is, how do you feel justified having boundaries and needs? Because a lot of times people feel like, I feel like I'm being a burden that I have this boundary or need. Or that you're being controlling. So how do you navigate having healthy boundaries and needs without feeling guilty or actually being hurtful? And then how do you respect boundaries and needs or engage other people's boundaries and needs without getting hurt and without making them feel guilty for having those boundaries and needs? I actually don't think that there is a way to tell the difference between boundaries and needs and wants, which is why I tried to rotate the answer because I don't think it matters, but I don't think you can do it because some things that I used to think were just wants ended up being needs and some things that I thought were needs ended up just being wants. I absolutely think they're fluid. I'm not saying they're even fluid. I don't think they changed. Oh. I mean, I think they are also fluid. The whole idea of humans as being... Ever evolving and... Living embodiment of change and such is that, of course... What we want and need can right. change dramatically. But there's definitely things that I always thought were like, well, I just want this in a partner. And then when I couldn't have it in a partner, I was like, I just can't stay interested in you or feel healthy in this relationship without this. But vice versa, there's definitely been times where I thought that I needed something from a relationship and I didn't. I didn't really need it. It was just a want and it wasn't It wasn't that important. And the relationship thrived without it. Mm-hmm. So I think the wants and needs distinction is important internally about yourself to yourself. It should be a dialogue Mm -hmm. you're always having with yourself where you have your list of what you think is your needs and boundaries and your separate list of your wants and you're constantly testing to see you know, so if someone says, well, do you really need something? You can decide if you want to make that test or you're not in a healthy position to make that test, but you can try the relationship without it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you thought that my need is I have to see my partner once a week and someone says, well, I can only see you every other week. Do you want to try it? And then you're not feeling up to it. You obviously have no moral obligation to try it. You can say, no, that's outside of my needs. I just, I don't want to have a relationship right. on those terms. But if you're up to trying it, as long as you're honest about it and say, I don't know if I can do that, I think that won't be enough for me to feel connected, but let, you know, I'm willing to try it because I'm interested and we'll see mm-hmm. how it turns out. And then you keep track of that and you can then decide if it's a want or a need. But what I think that people often do is they get hung up on trying to decide if their partner is being honest about wants versus needs. Mm. Yeah. And I don't think that's a thing that you can do. No. I don't think there's any way to know that or create that category for your partner. Yeah. My partner definitely doesn't get to tell me what is a want versus what is a need. They don't get to decide that. Right. So also if your partner's telling you, I don't think that's a need. I think that's just a want. Mm, Hard stop. 
<laughs> right. Well, because I think some people think needs are only needs if there is an ethical framework that makes them required for your relationship, basically. And otherwise, they're just wants. What can, what's the example of the, the ethical framework need? Oh, right. Well, that's easy, right? So I need a, like autonomy is an ethical framework need that people are really normally very into. So if someone says, I need a certain level of autonomy, that's just a need that I have. People go, oh, that makes sense because you right. need to be yourself and you don't need to be controlled and right. these are important things. And so you can have needs associated with that need as well. Like I need you to not get upset if I don't come home without calling or, you know what I mean? Like they can have sort of associated needs like that to help themselves feel free. But you can have really weird needs like you could have a need for all of your partners to have long hair. Maybe you have a long hair fetish and you literally can't get sexually aroused without long hair. Fair. I, I mean, that's... I'm not going to date someone that I can't get aroused by. And long hair does it for me, yeah. But I'm not that far in. But I, you know, but if you had a, a fetish and that was actually what... You know, I'm just not interested in sleeping with people that don't have long hair. Like, that's fair. But it's fair as a need because you're not telling your partner that they must grow long hair. You're saying, like, I don't want to spend time dating someone that doesn't have long hair. If you don't want to have long hair, that's totally acceptable. We don't have to date. Yeah. What you can't do is date somebody and then demand that they have long hair and guilt trip them for not meeting right. your needs. And then say to them like, well, you're my partner and my partner should meet my needs and therefore you should grow long hair. Long hair is a shit ton of work. I like long hair. I like having long hair. It is a lot more work than my one inch hair. My one inch hair was exactly zero work. Yep. That shit was nothing. I didn't even have to think about things like, will I have split ends? Doesn't matter. They'll be cut off before they ever get split. <laughs> didn't have to take care of my hair. There's snarls. Doesn't matter. Just tear it out. Fuck it. Just cut it. Doesn't matter. Nope. A lot less work. So I would never tell you you have to do that work, even if I did have it as what I considered a need. But even if something as frivolous as that or seemingly frivolous as that could be a need and it could be legitimate because, you know, you also have to look at what your saturation level is. Yeah. You know, my polysaturation level is somewhere between two and three partners, depending on how much engagement the partners want, probably more down towards two partners. Why would I want to sexually date someone that's missing a key component of my sexual interest? Right. That said, you shouldn't make judgments about the other person's wants and needs, except for right. are they a good fit? That's the question. So if you think that someone's needs and boundaries are all ridiculous and unfair and unlivable... Don't date them. Yeah, don't date them. <laughs> Just don't date them. There's a small life skill that I invented a long time ago where I always assume that when any person says anything, unless it's actually like a statistic or a fact that they're quoting, that there is an implied for me at the end of that sentence. So for instance, if someone says something like, your needs and boundaries are ridiculous and overbearing and impossible, just go ahead and in your mind throw a for me onto that shit because that's all that was that's not for everyone it's, oh it's just that person's opinion it's not an objective truth yeah. it is that person's fit that you're checking because we always talk about not taking it personally if you don't fit with somebody right because taking it personally when you don't fit is how you end up in horrible relationships where you're both miserable because neither of you wants to break up because then you feel like you weren't good enough for the other person and it had nothing to do with being good enough and everything to do with being a good fit yep <laughs> So in this conversation, it is very helpful to remember the for me rule, the for you rule, which is just to put an implied for me, for you into everybody's speech when they're saying things that sound like they're trying to be objective. That's not a need for me. That's a good rule. That's a want. 
for me. That's all they're really saying and that's all they can say because they don't know what it's like to be you. It helps me take stuff a lot less personally and it's just logically required. I've always thought it was weird when I say something and people go, that's not the objective truth. They don't always use the word objective truth, but that's what they're aiming at. They get really mad at me like, that's not true. And I'm like, what do you mean it's not true? Like, well, it's not, that's just your opinion. I'm like, yeah, obviously. Right. It has to be. I said it. <laughs> yeah. But I do think there's a, a convention that people will remind me exists that I can't understand how it's a convention that most people do intend the sentence to mean it's objectively true that when they say things like they think when they say it to you they actually mean it should be true for you or at least there should be a should like it should be true for you hmm. and the fact is that they're just they're just wrong to think that that they've been enculturated that's one of those cultural scripts we have that there's one right way to do things and therefore if you and i don't match it means one of us is wrong which is not true not matching does not mean one of us is wrong right. not matching means we don't match we're not a good cultural fit for each other we're not a good match for each other yeah it doesn't mean one of us is wrong you is triangle and i am square hole right just doesn't fit the only reason one of you is wrong is if one of you is harmful or abusive if there are harms or abuse happening you're wrong but otherwise <laughs> Just not fit. Just not fitting. All right, so I think that that part's pretty clear, or I hope that that part is pretty clear, which is you should not be making judgments about whether or not your partner has legitimate boundaries and needs, but only whether or not you would like to meet those boundaries and needs where they're at. And if you wouldn't, I do think it's okay to have a conversation where you say, here are boundaries and needs that you've cited that I don't think that I can meet. Generally speaking, I'm enjoying being with you and would like to continue being with you. Do you want to talk about trying compromises on any of these and if not that's totally okay it just means we're not right. a good romantic or sexual or whatever kind of relationship you're trying to make that has these wants and needs for that type of relationship because this advice works for anything you can have a friend's conversation about your friendship wants and needs mm -hmm. you can have a family conversation about family wants and needs any kind of relationship you can have this conversation and you can say the same thing which is I can't meet those is there a place for me that doesn't need those or can have these modified versions or we can come up with a compromise and if not is there a different relationship level where I can meet your needs and boundaries without having to accommodate these additional needs and boundaries. You know, I think we're seeing a lot of that right now with, with the politics on social media and, and everything that's going on with this ridiculous year on social media where people are, are drawing those boundaries of having friends in their social media space that don't agree or they're not open-minded or they're set on a specific certain, you know, set of beliefs and and people are like, you know, I can't have you in my social media space. And, you know, there's there's been a lot of like bringing down the hammer on people because they're creating echo chambers, but we don't get to decide what their needs are. And if that's your need is to not have people in your space that say are Trump supporters, just as an example, then, you know, then that's that person's need. And we don't get to come down on them because, you know, they, they don't want people in their space that... Um, support Trump. That's just what, what, it, what it made me think of. No, I think that that's it's fair. That's a decision that you have to make, but relationships should improve your life, not not harm it. Right. If engaging with someone is hurting you because there's something that they're doing that is not healthy for you, then you clearly have a boundary or a, a need that's not being met in that space and you need to try and figure out what it is and again best practice is to give them the chance to change that part about your relationship with them mm -hmm. without pressuring them not saying you're a bad person or you're not good enough the way that you are but just i need these things to be different just putting it out there this is what i need yeah not that i don't need you to not be a bigot i need people in my life that are not bigots 
You have to draw that boundary for you and not for them, if that makes sense. Make sure that you're putting your boundary, you're, you know, you're putting your boundary on your side of the fence and not on their side of the fence. And because because then you're then you're imposing on someone. And that's the big difference between a boundary and coercion. Yeah. Coercion is when you try and make the person feel like they're wrong or less than for not agreeing with you on an issue or not agreeing to a certain behavior that you would like them to engage in. Whereas having a boundary around that is totally different. So, for instance, trying to tell someone that they're a terrible person for wanting a monogamous relationship and trying to force them into a polyamorous relationship because that's your need, that is coercive and not ethical. Wrong. Just wrong. But telling someone I need to be in non-monogamous relationships and polyamorous relationships and relationship anarchy relationships, however you identify, to be happy. And if you'd like to date me romantically or sexually, then that is something that you'll have to accept. And if not... (laughs) then that's also okay. So if you don't want to date me, that's cool. Or you can just easily have conflicting barriers. And I feel like this is the easiest place to see it for, hopefully, I hope, for ethically non-monogamous people to see the non-fit issue. I have never been mad at somebody for being monogamous and wanting to be monogamous instead of wanting to be non-monogamous. You're just like, oh, you're non-monogamous, you know, or like having a sexual orientation. Like you're like, hey, you're cute. And they're like, I'm gay. And you're like, oh, or if you're gay, then you're like, you're cute. And they're like, I'm straight. And you're like, oh, whatever. I've definitely (laughs) been bummed out if somebody was not (laughs) non-monogamous. Yeah. Why couldn't you be Polly? <laughs> you want to hear my most embarrassing ever brain freeze story? Yeah. Michael embarrassed? Absolutely. So for those of you that haven't heard me say this, when I'm presented with something that I haven't thought of before, I kind of go into a paralysis mode where my brain starts trying to analyze it from scratch. Deer in headlights. And you won't see that very often because I spend a lot of time thinking about things. So I normally come off as witty. People are like, you're witty. I'm not witty. I have a really good memory and I think about shit a lot. And then I just reference those memories to answer your questions. It's not the same. So I was working at a coffee shop. I was like 19. I had frosted highlights. Hot. You know, just (laughs) having a good time, being super flirty and otherwise just really excited to be there. And there was this guy that kept coming in and talking to me. And I was really excited because I thought I'd made it like a friend because I just moved to the city. I moved to Pittsburgh for a year. And so then one day I'm on my break when he comes in and I'm reading a book and he comes over and goes, hey, would you like to go out to dinner with me sometime? And I did nothing. I just stared at him with like giant wide eyes. Deer in headlights. Uh. And then after about like 16 seconds, he goes, Or are you not gay? <laughs> and then I nodded. <laughs> and then I never saw him again. And I felt really bad about that because that was a really bad reaction that I had. And I've been much better since then because then I realized I needed to figure out what I should do if somebody asked me out. Well, I was going to say, was that the first, so that was the first time you'd ever been asked out by someone of, of identifying male? Yeah, because I was 18, so I hadn't had occasion to get asked out a lot. Oh, I definitely got asked out by a female when I was a teenager. So that was why I asked. <laughs> I think it also matters that I wasn't really anything before I was 18 but when I was 18 was when I started just giving up on gender stereotypes and doing what I enjoy and a lot of what I enjoy Mm -hmm. is not gender conforming and that's what started signaling to people that maybe I would be interested. Uh. And of course also I grew up as a guy in the south and it's very dangerous or at least it was 30 years ago if you were a guy in the south to ask out a guy that you were not 100% sure about. This is true, yeah. So Pittsburgh was way northerly so I think it was safer there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And then again, the fact that I had like shiny highlights, probably. Just looking gender non-conforming, really. Yeah. We were talking about why it doesn't make sense to get upset when you're not a match with someone. Oh, right. Yeah. And then you were saying you've been disappointed. And disappointed makes sense. But when you're disappointed, what you're doing is you're mourning for your imaginary relationship. Right, right. Yeah. And keep in mind, it's fine to have that emotional response, but that's actually a form of objectification. You imagined that person as being a certain kind of object meeting certain needs without actually talking to that person and figuring out who they were. And now you're sad that they're not going to be able to fill those needs that you created. And that is, it's a minor version of, but it's exactly like the behavior we talk about that leads to stalking where people like make up an idealized person. And then that's why they're in love with them without getting to know them. Right. I don't think I went that far. I just kind of had a crush on somebody and then they weren't poly. And I was like, oh. <laughs> right. right. Well, that's my point, though, is that your crush included this assumption that they are poly. I mean, I know what you asked and you weren't 100% sure, but like, right. if your brain wasn't at least imagining them poly, you wouldn't have had the crush feelings. You'd have already been like... Right. But yeah, so you, that's how you should treat it. Whenever there's a mismatch is you should treat it like there was a mismatch in relationship type or sexual interest or one of those sorts of things. Yeah. It's interesting because our culture teaches us that some needs are more legitimate than others. And that's just not the case. Needs are needs. You need all of your needs to be met. If there's anything that I've learned being polyamorous for 100%, it's that you need all your needs met. Because when I was monogamous, I thought I needed all my needs met because I couldn't have other partners. So Mm -hmm. not getting my needs met in a relationship meant they were never going to be met anywhere. You know, if I look at my dating time as monogamous, I actually now realize that I understood that it was partly getting a better sense of what I wanted from people. I had a lot of like, part of it's learning not to settle. But at the time I thought settle meant, you know, again, for objectively worse people. Mm -hmm. This was a long time ago before any of my ethics degrees. I'm sorry, guys, cut me some slack. But but I later realized it just meant what I need out of the relationship. Like what works for me, what works for them, what makes me happy, what would make them happy if we're a good fit. But then when I started being poly, I started the whole thing over again and was like, well, now that I have someone that meets some needs, this person could not meet those needs and that could be okay. And like, it's a different type of needs. So obviously you have some things that you need to get somewhere. And that's the kind of stuff that I think of as being wants. Like if anybody can fill my need for good conversation or playing board games and if my partner doesn't play board games that's okay for me that's a want that's how i realized it was a want (laughs) but the things that no matter how many partners i have i can't do without in a new partner those are needs Hmm. and that was what was really interesting was i thought oh well because i have a partner that meets all these desires i can have this other partner that just as this one fulfilling thing for me. And you can do that, but there are still some things that you always are going to need. Like you were saying, like you don't want to date somebody that is like a major Trump supporter. Right. Regardless of what niche they're feeling. So needs would be something that if you're non-monogamous, it would span all of your relationships. All of your relationships of the same type. Right, okay. Like if you had somebody who you just had non-romantic sex with, Right, like a friend with benefits or something like that would obviously, yeah. Right, would look different than your needs in a friendship, would look different than your needs in a romantic relationship, would look different in your needs for if you have an aromantic, asexual relationship, because you can have an aromantic, asexual relationship that's still a relationship, you know, an asexual, aromantic partnership might have, so whatever type of, whatever sort of the category is of relationship, a need for that type of relationship is going to be the same. Across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't to say that you can't ever adjust needs a little bit for 
individual people's abilities. Like, I need people not to be late, for instance. People being late makes me insane. Or at least I used to, actually. I might not care anymore. I'm kind of grew out of that one, I think. I was going to say, I think Lissa broke you of that, didn't she? No, 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 no. The way that we got around that was I stopped making appointments with Lissa. <laughs> I don't need you to do shit for me. I just need you to be there if you say you're going to be hmm. there. So I just will not do anything that requires her to commit to being there ah. unless we're like starting waking up at the house at the same morning and I can make her do it. I will get up at eight and be like, now is when you get up. Go make food. <laughs> you promised we'd leave at nine. So we'll often even take separate cars to things. If we're both going to my parents' house and I'm going to do some work and she's going to watch the kids while we hang out together, I'll be like, I'm leaving at seven. And then at seven, I'll be like, well, I'm taking one of the cars. I'm out. I'll see you when you get there. Right. And it might not be till eight or eight thirty, but I just I don't make commitments that allow her to not be on time. Okay. You know, and so that's an interesting thing too, is that it doesn't matter to me that people are punctual. It just matters to me that I'm not relying on you to be punctual and you're not. It's as long as they're not gonna make you late yeah. for whatever it is. Yeah. When I like planning a lot, so a lot of times I'll have linchpin plans where the one that really got me was the walk from my studio at the university where I used to, where I work normally, uh, not this year, thank you, 2020, is like a 20 minute walk. And then picking me up takes like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So if you're more than 20 minutes late picking me up. I might as well have walked. And then I would have gotten the exercise. And if you're more than 20 minutes late. Now I'm late for both of them. Yeah, <laughs> for either way, right. I'm late, so yes. I was trying to get a lot done and I was like, hey, can you pick me up at five when I get off? That'll have me home by 5.10. That'll give me 20 minutes to do this activity. And then I'll be ready for this other thing. And she would show up at like 5.40. And I'd be like, oh my God. Because now it's still 10 minutes home. So I'm going to be 20 minutes later than if I can walked. What is happening right now? <laughs> you know, and so that's part of saucing out what your need actually is too. Because I might have once said that my need is for someone to be punctual. But then what I really realized is my need is just not to be relying on, right. on punctual people. And that was one of those moments where I was like, you're not meeting this need. It's a really important need. What can we do about that? And we workshopped it. And I didn't just break up with her. You know, I found a way to get that need met that was possible for her. Right. And didn't meet, break her own boundaries and needs. And which also was not super coercive. I didn't browbeat her or yell at her or get mad at her. Okay, no, I definitely did that like the first couple of times because I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> But when it became like enough of a pattern that I was like, something's weird here. Yeah. Like you just literally never show up. What's going on? Why? And we actually had that conversation. And this was much earlier in our relationship. So there was much less conversational trust mm -hmm. is the other thing. I think now if we had something like that happen, Lissa would just start by going, I was late because X, you shouldn't expect me to not be late, you know, kind of thing. Right. But at the time, you know how it is. You're still sort of putting your best foot forward. You don't want to tell someone like, I just literally can't keep track of time, especially someone who appears to really value keeping track of time. Right. So that's the thing about what can you really mean? because she was never going to be able to meet my desire of having someone that shows up on time. And she could have saved herself a lot of stress by stating that right off the bat. And I was like, can you be there at five? And I mean it. If you're not, and I said this, you know, that's it for the time. If you can't make it at five, I'll just walk home. Just tell me now and I'll just walk home. But could you be there at five to get me? She's like, sure. Shouldn't have said sure. <laughs> <laughs> just been like, nope. Uh, I'm not going to be able to do that. Right. And then we could have talked that through, you know. And that's the really hard part, I think, is having those kind of conversations about being able to meet the other person's needs and boundaries without them getting coercive. And I think that's where that consent episode was so important, is to have that grounding first, because I think you can use that toolkit to do 
this work. Mm -hmm. And you can say, I really want actual consent. I want to use the rink system and talk to you about can you meet my need for punctuality? Or is there a way that I can accommodate you so that that doesn't upset me? Where both of us are not feeling coerced and we're both feeling actually happy about the outcome. Mm -hmm. And that's the really difficult part to me about needs and boundaries. And I feel like I've talked a lot about wants and needs there, but not as much about boundaries. So I think we should talk about boundaries some before we go. So boundaries and needs to my mind, and you tell me if you read this differently, but I feel like people just use them almost interchangeably because people will say like, I have a boundary against not communicating well then your need is communicating i think it's a reciprocal i think it's a you know what i mean i think it's that's probably not the right word but i think it's interchangeable yeah or, or just a, just a mirror image of of each other that and that's how people use it anyway so the difference between a boundary and a need a need is something that the lack of which will be felt mm. Yeah. Um, so if over time you're not doing the thing that I need, I will eventually drop out of the situation. It'll lose slowly. A boundary, just as by the language, is a thing that when you cross it, causes an immediate snapback. Ooh, that's good. It's a boundary if it's something like, I have a boundary against my partner's lying to me. You don't have to tell me things, as I said before. You can just say, I don't have the right to tell you that. I don't want to tell you that. I think you don't have the right to ask me that. I'm not going to tell you that. That's fine. But if you outright lie to me, actually lie to me, and then I find out you lied to me, that's a boundary. I cannot. I need honesty generally, but like that you lied to me is a boundary cross. Oh, yeah. That's a good, because that's, yeah. Boundaries are distinct lines, I think. Moments. Yeah. Yeah. Because that will immediately trigger a conversation. If I find out you lied to me, I'm like, we need to have a conversation right, right now. Like, you lied to me, this has to get talked about. There's alarms going <laughs> off, flags flying. Yeah. Right. And it's not to say that a boundary is necessarily more serious than a need, but it's certainly... It's just more immediate. It registers more clearly. It's less fuzzy. I feel like right. needs are fuzzier. I think the other thing about a need is it can be filled by a certain amount over a time period. Yeah. So like if I need a certain amount of physical interaction with my romantic partners to feel connected, it could be more on one day and then less on the next and then have some time in between and then make up for it on the back end. But like if on a long enough time, I'm not getting enough of that connection, that intimate connection, I'm going to be like, I'm feeling disconnected from you and right. we need to talk about that and I am losing something. But that's very different than a boundary where I immediately need to have that conversation. It doesn't just once, like as soon as it happens, right. we're immediately at that point. So people have boundaries around their sexual safety. People have boundaries around their health and safety. They have boundaries around their emotional safety. Their kids. Yeah. The needs of their dependents, yeah. children or otherwise. I think that's a great distinction. I, I think that's a good, a good difference there. That's also important because if I said something like I have a need for punctuality, obviously there's some wiggle room there for if you are a little bit late, rarely from time to time versus if I say I have a boundary around punctuality or if you're not here when you say you are that's a very different right conversation because then it's like oh if you're even one minute late you're late you need to start doing the whole I'm gonna be there 10 minutes early so that if I'm late I'm on time <laughs> kind of scenario yeah. uh, if you're gonna engage in that relationship and that would only be a relationship you'd want to engage in if you were a real master of planning and if that's a boundary for you that's a boundary for you it's not ridiculous it's your boundary and don't let anybody tell you that that is not okay. Same with the needs and the wants. Now what you might find is that you do have unrealistic needs and boundaries. And that might be something that you can work on with yourself or with a therapist 
where your needs and boundaries make it so that almost no one can meet them and you're having trouble connecting with people. Constant reassessment of your needs and boundaries, I think, is very important. It is. That is absolutely important. Whether you're doing that with a therapist or you're doing it on your own or you're doing it with your partner Mm -hmm. or a friend, I think a constant reassessment of those things is important. I think a constant reassessment of anything you think you know about yourself is important. Right. But especially your boundaries, needs, and wants, which is why when we do recommend that you do write out relationship contracts, we suggest that in those relationship contracts, you write down your needs, your boundaries, and your wants. We also recommend that you revisit them anytime there's a major shift in your relationship or just every year, Mm -hmm. at least basically once a year, or if something major changes, like you get a new partner or you change jobs or your time commitments shift dramatically or your kid gets thrown out of school because of COVID or you can't see anybody (laughs) because of social distancing, you know, like right now would be a good time to do that if you haven't visited that recently. Right. But so that's the thing is you can have maladaptive or unhealthy boundaries and needs, but they're only maladaptive and unhealthy in the sense that they're not meeting your desires. You know, I certainly know people whose needs and boundaries are so intense that they feel like they can never find someone that right. they can in- really form a connection with they're working against you your own needs and wants are working against you and that's not good yeah and you know obviously needs and wants are something that you can work into and work Mm -hmm. with and find some of them actually are wants and not needs and again like with Lisa change way that I saw the need this is a person I really wanted to make it work with and I could I had the choice between finding something that fit my actual whatever the actual need was because a lot of times your needs or boundaries are based on not reality but on like a symptom you saw a symptom and you went oh that's the need right i was gonna say that's what what you thought your need was wasn't actually the need and once you sat down and thought about it right it gave me occasion to it you you found out that yeah that the need was was a little different you didn't have to impose that on lissa so much and that we could accommodate that yeah yeah absolutely and i think that that's usually something that you will find unless you know obviously there's a lot of like around sexual safety that's not usually a negotiable need if you have very different senses of sexual safety then usually you're just not compatible right or safety generally actually yeah that one's a hard one because you'll always feel unsafe if you're with somebody who has a much lower sense of what you need to do to be safe and who does like dangerous behaviors by your viewpoint it'll be very difficult and i know like a lot of my straight up nopes are things that are based around that like i take smoking very seriously the risk of smoking a lot of my family has died from cigarettes a lot a lot of my family and so it was imprinted on me very early how damaging that was to families and communities and health and relationship and like even my grandmother who did not die young heart complications from smoking run in my family first of all but like like she was almost it was almost worse you had the thing where like your lungs completely fill up with black tar and then you can't breathe and you're on oxygen tanks and your life is a living hell and you wish for death kind of thing yeah so like watching people smoke is like i can't i can't date you every time you pick up that cigarette i'm just like crying in a corner about imagining the outcomes and how damaging they are and our safety profiles are just far too different to me it's not fair to me to I won't do it to myself. I won't let myself fall in love with somebody who's killing themselves. Sure. I'm like you. I watched my dad do it and I won't I won't allow myself to love somebody else that's going to do that to themselves. But again, you might have different attachment styles. Like if you're very, you know, I'm not here for a good time or a long time. I'm here for a good time. And if my partner goes that way, they went the way they wanted, then you guys are perfect for each other. Yeah. You know, that's go for it but for us that's not a good match like for us that's like i just know that's gonna be too hard on me constantly right so i think it's really difficult to get along with someone whose safety threshold is that much different than your own yeah and so i think boundaries are a lot easier to suss out than the difference between needs and wants because with the need you think well i think i need this 
but you can go without it for a long time before it becomes unlivable. Mm -hmm. So it's often very difficult to tell, oh, I thought this was a want, but I thought I could live without this. And I think that's what causes the most heartbreak in relationships, actually, is when people get into a relationship and one of the things that they thought was a want, it's actually a need. Yeah. And so the relationship goes really far a year or two and they build a lot of interest in each other and a lot of emotional connectivity and they just cannot maintain it because that need has been eating away at the basis, the foundation of their relationship mm -hmm. for the last six months, a year, whatever the length of time is. You just can't maintain that relationship and you say, these are the things that I would need from you as you now know that they're needs in order for this to work. The other person's like, I can't do that. Yeah. That's so much to ask me. I never signed on for that. I've never done that for you. It's totally atypical of our relationship. And you're like, well, I thought it was a want, but it's a need. And I don't think people generally have that conversation. That's a very incredibly high level, emotionally aware conversation to have yeah. that most people probably are not at. But I think that is, I mean, looking at honestly, almost all of my breakups, I think all of my breakups that I've ever had were that, Yeah. that I knew that the thing that eventually caused us to break up in the end at the beginning was something that I wasn't excited about. And I thought I can make this work. I can live without mm -hmm. it. I can make up for it. I can find it elsewhere. You just kind of kept shoving it over here. It's not as important. It's not really that important. And not just doing that, but sort of overdoing the thing I did with the list of punctuality thing where I was going, I can find a way to make it work. Mm -hmm. And just being wrong. Right. I thought that I could find a way to make it work. And it turns out I was correct in my first assumption. It was a need. I cannot change it. Right. <laughs> there is no work around and it is the actual need not a symptom of a deeper yeah need. it is literally the need itself and it's not getting met and there's nothing that i can do about that and i do think that people in relationships all have that conversation at some point it's just not usually at a friendly decibel <laughs> when it happens <laughs> it's not structured like i made this mistake and I didn't understand that I didn't need this and I really tried my best right. and I did my level best to make this work. And another cultural script that we have is that we have a lot of guilt around breaking up with people because we're taught yeah. that it is an objective mm -hmm. judgment on their yeah. character. There's a good guy. There's a bad guy. There's, you know, there's, there's so many uh, scripts to breaking up. I actually find that polyamorous people are often even worse about really? it. Well, because to break up with someone as a polyamorous person, you have to say, no matter what, I wouldn't want to date you. Right. You can't use the like the excuse like I've fallen in love with someone else. <laughs> right. I've fallen in love with someone right. else. And there's someone else. Um, as great as you are, I just think there's someone that can meet more of my needs that are out there. Right. You know, and you can go, great. Well, date us both. Right. There is a better match. Yeah. That's the thing is that a lot of when I was monogamous and you'd break up, it was something like, well, I enjoyed being with you, but I think that we could both find someone that fits us a little bit better. And when you're polyamorous, it's like, well, no matter what, <laughs> even if I find other people that fit me better, I would be happier not dating you. Yeah. Those conversations need to happen because I've definitely, earlier on, I tried, okay, like this needs not getting met. So let me try and find this need met somewhere else. Like I was still bitter that the need wasn't being met from the other partner. Yeah, of course. Because it's about the health of that relationship. Right. And that's why I think it was very important when you said that across the board, certain types of relationships, if you have three of the same type of relationship, they're all going to have the same needs to them for you. You're, you're not getting one need met here and one need met here and one need met here. That's, that's not how it works. 
those are wants if that's right. what those are. Those are things that you enjoy, they make you feel good, but they're not required for that type of relationship, right. whatever it is, clearly. Because it's not like a situation where you're dating two different people and they each do something that you think is really awesome that you think are needs that are getting met in separate places. And one of them breaks up with you. You don't respond by breaking up with the other person because your need's not getting met anymore. Right. Because it wasn't a need, it was a want. But I just, I thought that was a very important distinction that you made. That that it's if it's a need... Yeah. It's across those types of that specific type of relationship that you're having with mm-hmm. everyone that you're having that type of relationship with, whether it's a friendship or, uh, you know, nesting partners or friends with benefits or, you know, any other type of relationship, sexual partner, what have you, those needs are going to mm-hmm. look the same across that same type of relationship for you. So that's a good way to to tell the difference between the two. It's certainly one way to keep one way to like when you're doing introspection, you can look at your relationships and go, what things are common to all of my relationships that I felt worked? Yeah. And I say felt worked as opposed to like continued or any other regular benchmark for success, success yeah. because it, it worked if you think it worked. Like if it was a successful relationship to you, that's what right. it was. Um, so look at the relationships that you feel were successful and say, okay, what, what needs were I getting met among a grand, you know, that are, you can see through these relationships. And of course, because needs do change over time, you got to look at relatively recent relationships, not like when you were 16, a relationship right. that worked was meeting very different needs than a relationship that's working now. And there's absolutely no problem separating the wants. There's absolutely no problem going, things that I want out of this relationship may not be the same things I want out of this relationship. And they're the same category or type of relationship. But those needs are going to go across the board. Yeah. And I think that was the that was the thing that really got me mad originally when I, not mad, but like, that I found was like the first polyamorous script lie that a lot of polyamorous mm-hmm. people will tell you. You can get your needs met by a lot of different people. And you're like, no, no, no. Those are wants. Yeah, you can get your wants met. Yeah. Because people don't meet needs of a kind that exists apart from a requirement for the relationship to be successful. And the way that I know that is because people that have no relationships can still be having all their needs met and that you don't owe people relationships in order to meet their needs for them to be complete people. You can be a happy and complete person that doesn't currently have any relationships. And if you had relationship, quote, needs, then that would not be the case. So the needs are the needs that are required for the relationship to be a positive part of your life, something that makes your life more rich Mm -hmm. rather than less rich. And that's going to be true of anything that shares that relationship's markers. And I say that because I hate, in general, relationship labels. I like the idea of fluid relationships. But if you're looking at relationships that are relatively in the similar, have similar identifying characteristics, are sexually involved, are romantically involved, are not sexually involved, are not romantically involved, then those are going to have to have those same needs because those are literal needs. They're required for the health of (laughs) that relationship. And of course, you can also sometimes get your needs met in different ways. So like one really common need, one of the most common needs that's been studied is a need for a sense of, of uh, we talked about this before, and we had a very long discussion about the way I pronounced the word, but parity. Parity <laughs> is a need, and parity with parity. a T, not a D, not parity, parity. And it means bringing similar amounts to the relationship. So generally speaking, a relationship where either or both partners feel like they're bringing much more to the table than the other person, or that the other person is bringing much more than them, will mm-hmm. end. But... What you bring doesn't have to be the same. For example, if you have a partner that loves making baked goods and you love getting baked goods, like Mandy talks about needing effort, like that's their effort, Mm -hmm. but it's a different effort than a different partner whose effort is in writing you stories or 
going to movies with you or spending quality time. So you have that one need, which is that need for there to be a sense that you're both putting in the same amount and getting the same amount out of a relationship. But what you're getting out of that relationship changes dramatically. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's usually based on how many wants you're getting fulfilled as opposed to, you know, needs you're getting fulfilled per se. I think that's pretty well covers mm-hmm. the distinction between the three. And I was going to say, you know, just summarize. Just put the icing on it now. <laughs> now this is a weird one because we've done some partial summaries in order to make this work the way that I wanted it to because I said here's the summary and then because of that now we know this but so we'll just quickly resummarize. I think that we covered everything well though and and how they relate to each other yeah I think so because the three do relate yeah so I think that we I think that we went back and forth pretty well firstly and most importantly you as a person are constantly experimenting and paying attention to and reevaluating what you think are your boundaries needs and wants you do not get to tell anybody else what their boundaries, needs, and wants are. And nobody gets to tell you. The only thing you get to do is tell them if you think you can or would like to meet those needs or wants. And then negotiate with them around how you could make it work if you can't do that thing. Either at the relationship level you're at or at a different relationship level. And when you're doing that really lean heavily on the tools we gave you in consent to be non-coercive as much as possible in order to mitigate power dynamics and all of the rest. So, for example, if you're in a relationship with somebody whose rent you're paying and you haven't worked out the rent protection system that we discussed in consent, and then you start saying, well, one of my needs is that you have sex with me every day, that's really super coercive because they don't know where they're going to live if they don't do that. So, work on that. The difference between the three. Boundaries are as the name describes, a line that if passed will immediately trigger a emotional response, a damaging emotional response, a harm, and should immediately also trigger a conversation about why that happened, how it won't happen again next time, and how we can get it fixed so that it's not something you have to continue dealing with. Whereas a need is something... You're going to notice over time. Because you need like a certain aggregate amount of the, the thing, but not... It's not something that is triggered by an immediate action. So you are not going to have a need not to be lied to because that's a boundary. You find out they lied to you and you're just immediately like, what? I'm really angry. But you might have a need for people to be emotionally vulnerable with you, which is not something where if they're not emotionally vulnerable with you every single second, you freak out. (laughs) But rather that they have to be emotionally vulnerable enough with you that you feel really deeply connected Mm -hmm. to them. And if they're never doing that, then it's uninteresting. Your boundaries and needs are going to be similar against relationships which are similar. I really don't have a better way to say it than that because there's so many different subtypes of relationship because you can have two friends with very different boundaries but also very different levels of that friendship. Like my friend who's been my friend for 15 years and knows everything about me is going to have very different boundaries than the friend that I just met. Like those aren't... Yeah, just similar types of relationships. Those yeah. aren't similar. And there's going to be other things I think that are going to keep a question if that sentiment is true, but I think it is if you look at what the actual boundary is. Because I was also thinking like, you know, I have some friends who are nudists and I have some friends that are not. And for my friends that are nudists, me being nude around them without warning isn't really a deal breaker but my friends that are not it's a pretty big deal breaker but the boundary there isn't actually nudism it's consent and that's the same for both of those friendships as it turns out that i actually had the consent conversation with my nudist friends about being nude and i did not have that conversation or i did and they said no to the people who are not nudist friends (laughs) 
And therefore, the actual boundary is the same, which is a good way to also get to the idea of a boundary symptom versus cause. So like when you talk about having a disease where you can treat the symptom or you can treat the cause, usually treating either makes it livable. But oftentimes the best way to resolve a boundary or need conflict with a partner is to check and see if it's the actual need or if it's a symptom, because if it's the symptom and not the actual need, you might be able to do something different to handle the actual need or boundary that the other person can accommodate or that you can accommodate without anybody having to give something up they wouldn't normally be willing to give up or being coercive or anything like that. Like in your punctuality example. And then a want is something that you desire in relationships that makes you happy, that makes you feel fulfilled. And I think wants are what our richer life is built out of because Mm -hmm. needs and boundaries are what maintain the relationship and wants are what we get out of the relationship and i think it's actually wants not needs that you are able to spread among partners that's what i was gonna say is that's what yeah so when people say you can get your needs met different places i think it's actually that you can get your wants met different places yeah all the relationships need to meet your needs and boundaries for health reasons but you can get different enrichment which is what the wants are from different people. And I think that's a pretty good summary. You good? Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm going to call it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for continuing with us through the pandemic. And we will see you. Oh, man, I haven't done this in forever. I actually know what next week's topic is. Yay! Next week, we're going to actually cover cultural scripts. We had someone ask us, you guys talk about cultural scripts constantly. You don't have an episode on it unless I missed it. Can you talk about it? And I was oh, like, yeah, you're right. we've literally never really, <laughs> we just reference it, but we, and we've done like really short, like it's the things that culture teaches you, but we haven't really explained what those things are in detail or how they function or, yep. Awesome. So join us in two weeks for cultural scripts. Everyone have a great week, and we'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye.